0: Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to Church.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Good morning, church. One thing real quick before I get started, I... Uh, I want say thank you to all those on behalf of Richard and Brenda who who came and uh, helped with the funeral dinner this week or came and, and just made an appearance uh, on behalf of those two families and the deaths and their family. Uh, they say thank you, and we as a church say thank you for just being there in support of them, and so um, it, it does mean a lot uh, to them, and so but this morning we are going to continue a series we started last week called Weapons of Mass Destruction, and um, last week we talked about the idea that our judgment on each other and other people, shh quiet Siri, are <laughs> showing favoritism to one another is dangerous. It can be very dangerous, especially because oftentimes the people that we're judgmental towards or the people that we show favoritism uh, or the lack thereof, I guess, uh, is, is the very people that we're trying to reach so oftentimes. And so that's kind of where we kicked off. And this morning, I want to continue in James. So if you want to turn to James, you can. We'll be in James chapter 2. And I want to talk about the danger this morning of claiming to have faith, but the deeds of our life don't match up with those claims. And so uh, before we get into that, I want to set it up with a really unique thing. And Pastor Mark has no idea what's about to happen here, but this is going to be a little funny. So this week... I got an email from Pastor Mark. And it said this Ian, are you available at the moment? I need you to make provision for gift cards for me at any local store around. Email me back immediately. You receive this message. Now I'm reading verbatim, so. Pastor Mark. I reply Really? Question mark. How can I help? Now, I, I, I knew that there a good chance while on vacation, he really didn't need me to go to the store and get him some gift cards. But I thought I'd play along. Get another email. I'm in a meeting now and can't take calls. Please, I need you to go to any local stores around and get me iTunes gift cards of about $700. <laughs> $100 denomination each. Kindly scratch and send clear picture of the cards here so I can gift out immediately. Thanks, Pastor Mark. Okay. Dear Pastor Mark, why would you, a person I see every day at work in a church, no doubt, need me to do this? Also, why did you email me when you could have easily walked down to my office to tell me this? Thanks, Ian. I let that go, and I thought for a moment, like, well, maybe. Maybe I should, maybe there's more to it. I reply again. Also, I am concerned that you're in trouble. Is meeting, code word for you've been held captive. Are you truly unable to take calls, or will the people holding you not let you take calls? Please respond quickly. Cards are coming soon. (laughs) Final reply. No trouble here. Sorry, I can't take any calls right now. Kindly get the gift cards and send picture of it now. Thanks, Pastor Mark. Well, (laughs) it's funny. I had a totally different opening illustration for this sermon and then this happened this week and I was just like, oh, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Yes, yes. Because this just is so perfect. See, sometimes people or things or things happen in our life that just are not as they seem, right? Wouldn't you agree? Sometimes, you know, a situation, we think it's going to be a certain way, and then it turns out to be a different way. We think it's our boss emailing us needing $700 in iTunes gift cards, but it's really not. It's a scam. And Derek didn't have to tell me, hey, this is a scam. I, you know, there was no... In kind of an inside joke there, that happens to him a lot at Best Buy. He has got some great stories. But it wasn't Pastor Mark. It wasn't who it seemed to be, right? And see, I think sometimes, oftentimes, in a lot of different circles in life, that happens. We see people, we interact with people in a given week... There are people that we know and and, and love and have known for many, many years, and they seem like one type of person, but they're really another type of person. And that happens in, in our society, in our culture, and in our workplace, in our schools, and all the time. But unfortunately, this also happens in the church. All the time. People. ...go to church and they come in here and they shout amen... ...and they raise their hands and they say praise Jesus and and all of that... ...but the the, the deeds of their life don't line up with the claims of faith that they make. There's no uh, connection there. In fact, who they are might be someone completely different altogether. And see, when we claim to have faith but our deeds don't match up... ...it can become a weapon of mass destruction... It is very, very dangerous. It is very dangerous to make a claim of faith, but then to not live it out. It's dangerous to the church. I think it's dangerous to this local church, this faith community here. But as we said last week, it's also dangerous to the people that we're trying to reach because they see who we really are. Whether we think that or not, they really do. I have witnessed this personally. And I don't want to give a lot, uh, get into a big ordeal with this, but I do want to give you one example where I've witnessed this to, to great destruction with someone who I considered to be, at the time, my very very best friend, um, the guy who followed me as the youth pastor at the church I was at uh, many years before I came here, and um, he was my right hand man. This was a guy that I trusted completely. Gave him many, many opportunities to serve. And then when I left that church, he said, I think I'm going to take that position. And I begged him not to for other reasons. But it brought about a lot of destruction in his life. He ended up having an affair with a 14-year-old student and five other adult women in that church. And one of the reasons I had begged him not to take that position was because he'd only been a Christian for about a year. And he was thrown, as I would say, kind of to the wolves. There was no real testing and proving that he was who he said he was. There wasn't enough time. And so he claimed one thing and lived out something totally different. Now, there's probably more in that that we could go into and, and digest, you know, dissect uh, his personality and all that. But that is totally irrelevant for our time today. All I want to say is that sometimes people claim one thing, but there's something totally different. And I think it can manifest itself in a couple different ways. One of the ways that it manifests itself is hypocritical faith. Hypocritical faith where we, we, we claim to be one thing, but we truly aren't. We're not living it at all in our life. It's, we are living something totally opposite. And, and, and I, I, I use this word kind of loosely because I think to some degree we all have a little bit of hypocrite in us. I, in fact, I've, I've wanted to do a series for some time called, you know, you know the little tags that say, hello, my name is, and you like write your name on it. I want to do a series that's, hello, I'm a hypocrite. Because I think at times we all have that tendency. And I think the only way to kind of overcome that is to admit, hey, I'm hypocritical at times. You know, last week we talked about being judgmental. I'm judgmental. Can we just admit that? You know, that sometimes we're judgmental. And so therefore, we're claiming something, but we're not living it out. We're a little bit hypocritical. But I think this can be really, really dangerous in the church, again, specifically to people that we're trying to reach. If they see us say one thing, but then we totally do something else, or we live out something completely different, they're like, well, that's... In fact, I think this is why many, many young people are leaving the church is because they've watched their parents come into church every week and fake it. They say, praise Jesus, brother. Oh, and then they go home and they cuss at their wife on the way home or they yell at the guy that pulled out in front of them and fly the tall finger, you know. And, 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 and it's like, well, wait a second, Dad. You just said we should love Jesus and, and all this, but then you do, you do that. And, and it, it is hypocritical faith. The second thing that I think is, might be even more dangerous is this, is apathetic faith. And this is where we just make these claims, but we're, we don't do anything with the claims. We kind of lazily go about our life as Christians. We come in here each week and we just kind of, eh. Check, I showed up to church on Sunday. Check, I gave my tithe. Check, I told Debbie, good job. You know, it's like it never goes beyond just being here. I'm just a body in the room. I'm not actually doing anything with my faith. My faith is not resulting in any deeds. And I think there's some pretty sobering statistics uh, that, that exist that kind of prove that this is becoming more and more the trend in the church. In fact, I heard something recently that says that people care less and less about going to church now than they ever did before. And I, I know I'm just kind of starting off a little bit. Debbie Downer will turn this around, I promise. But check this out. This kind of really, really hit me and, and, and really like just kind of like a punch in the stomach. Two out of ten millennials consider church important. Two out of ten people who are from the age of, I think it's what, 38, 37 to like 18 consider church important. Two out of ten. 59% of millennials have dropped out of church altogether. Altogether. If the current trends in in our society continue, the percentage of the population that will attend church in 2050 will almost, will have dropped to half of the percentage of the 1990s percentage, which was 24.4%. See, less and less people find what we do in here every single week as valuable Less and less people are, are buying into this idea of, well, I need to go to church to have faith, or, I, or, or the church is important, or even faith is important. And so what do we do, church? If that's the case, what do we do? We just say, well, we tried. Hope they figure it out one day, you know? So I think that we as a church, as individuals, have got to find a way to bridge the gap between our culture and our society and the faith community. We've got to actually begin to go to them and say, hey, this matters. This thing called church matters and here's why. And I want to I want to show you why it matters. And not just coming in here every week and kind of like a holy huddle sort of situation, but going out to the people in our community and saying, hey, Jesus loves you. Jesus matters. Faith matters. So. As we're going to get into James here, I, I, I want to come, I'm going to come back to this at, at, towards the end and, and kind of re-hit re hit this idea. But I think that this is important, that we understand kind of what's going on in our society and the fact that less and less people find church important. And if that's the case, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? And it, it may require us to get some things figured out in here first before we can fix anything out there. And so let's look at James together. James chapter 2, are you there? Yes, no, maybe? If not, the verses will be on the screen. James says this, starting with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Now, just like last week, James has this habit of raising a question and then telling a story. And so he's raising this really important question. Can you have faith without deeds and be saved? Is it possible? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Let's see what James has to say. He says, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I think he answers his question with this response. He kind of answers his own question here. And he's saying, if your faith is not accompanied by an action, by actually doing something, then it's dead. It's dead. And so if if faith is alive then it's going to produce some sort of fruit. There's going to be something that you're doing in your life that actually shows other people that you have faith. There'll be a a, 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 uh, reciprocating action to a claim of faith and how you live your life and the obedience. He says that, that this proves that the faith is either dead or alive. Now, normally, I'm not really one of those people that really gets all that excited about the Greek and things like that. I just kind of, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm just not that smart. Smart, I don't know. I, 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 I read it and I feel like, okay, that's interesting. But I was really intrigued by this word dead. The word dead here is the word "necros," which is a word that we sort of are somewhat familiar with. We might have heard that before. And it means corpse or lifeless, having breathed its last see it's this kind of faith is a kind of faith that cannot save it is useless to the body because it's a corpse in the corner if you will that would be pretty creepy wouldn't it to come in here each week and be like well this is helen she's been here 35 years we just keep we can't let nobody sit next to her but we just let her sit here she doesn't move She's here pretty much Monday through Sunday. We've been saying she's praying, you know. Like that would be weird and gross and probably illegal. But, you know, so often I think people come into church each week and it's weekend at Bernie's. It's this. If you are completely unfamiliar with this, Basically, it's a movie about two guys that have a dead guy that roams around with them the whole movie. That's kind of in in a nutshell. And they make him look like he's alive. We could just have this thing play over and over and over again. But I think sometimes people come into church and that's what it is. It's just like, it's like somebody else is kind of controlling them and they're doing it because mom used to go or grandma used to go or, or because grandpa said we had to go. And so it's, it's not their own faith. It's not something that's really happened in their own heart. It's just because they have to or because so and so said we should go or because it's what we've always done. If I had a dollar for every time I've ever heard that, I would rich oh it would be great but it's dead it's lifeless it's a corpse James goes on he says but someone will say you have faith I have deeds show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds you believe that there is one God good good Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together in his and and his faith was made complete by what he did. You remember that story in the Old Testament? Scriptures where Abraham, God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son. I don't know anyone in this room that would say, yeah, I'll sign up for that. I mean, even if your son is like terrible, you're not going to be like, yes, I want to be at the front of that line. Yeah, let me do that. No, I mean, no one says, let's do that. you know. And, 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 and Abraham was obedient in that. And he followed it up not by just saying, yes, I'll do it, and then never doing anything. They literally climbed a mountain together, built an altar, and it wasn't until the very last minute that God says, this is the suitable offering here, not, not, not your son. Sorry. <clears throat> he responded physically with what God had told him to do spiritually. He responded with a physical action. Verse 23, it says, And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. See I think ultimately what James is getting at here is is that faith When it's never tested, when it's never proven by what we do, it is essentially just a mental knowledge of who God is. I think growing up, I I grew up in a family that didn't really attend church. My mom was Catholic, and so she knew about God, and she kind of always had the philosophy, I need God, I know where he's at. You know, I can go talk to the priest. And yet we still prayed. I mean, I remember being taught as a kid to pray. I had no idea who I was praying to. It's kind of like Santa Claus, you know, where you ask, like, you're hoping that Santa Claus is gonna. That's kind of how I treated God. It's like I'd pray to God and then I'd pray to Santa Claus at the same time, hoping that I got a good gift that year, you know. And I know that's kind of messed up and, and and maybe cringeworthy, but that's that's what I knew. And and yet I still had some sort of faith, obviously, but it was purely a head faith. It wasn't tested by the way I lived my life. It had nothing to do with my living in a certain way, it was completely superficial and yet unproven by any action whatsoever. See, faith must be accompanied by action. When I was in college, um, I took a bunch of theology classes. I thought I was going to have a, theo- I wanted to have a theology minor and then I found out that I had to go like a whole nother year to get it and I was like, ah forget it. You know, Sorry, I wasn't exactly wanting to overachieve in that situation. But I had this one professor and I took him like five or six times. I had classes with him and did independent studies and I loved him. He was this great guy. His name was Dr. Bounds. And he had this thing where when he would get excited, he'd do what they called the Bounds bounce. And he would like start to bounce and get excited. And so we just, everybody loved him as a professor. And he always had this like desire to get us to debate in class. He liked to stir the pot you ever been around anybody that likes to stir the pot you know just like it doesn't matter what you're doing they'll find a way to like argue about something it's like I don't care what why are we arguing about this I don't even I didn't even know what we were talking about how did we get here you know And, and that's kind of how he would he would just class every day it's like what can we fuel this class with and he'd always ask this one question can you be a Christian and not go to church? And man, I mean, it would just stir the pot. People would get so crazy about this one question. And, and, and I want to kind of do that little debate for just a moment by myself and, kinda, and, and, and tell you what I think and lead it into our topic. I think that you can. Now, this does not mean give you a free pass to not be here next week. You know, I think that you can be a Christian and, and not go to church. But I don't recommend it. And this is what he would say. He would always say this. He'd say, I, I think you can be, but I don't recommend it because faith attempted apart from the body is very dangerous. And he would compare it to our cell phone. He'd say, it's like your cell phone. Have you ever been in a place where you drop a call? I don't know what it is about. I used to drive from Marion to Hartford City and I'd go by Taylor University. It's like a dead zone. There's no, You cannot take a call. I would lose a call every day day right there at at the turn at taylor to go towards hartford city every time and he would say that your cell phone when it has full bars of service that's when it works best right but when it's low which we don't even hardly think about this anymore most of us don't even have this issue our cell phone service is so good now but i remember like it was like you'd have to like you know lean or whatever you're like in a building and you're like trying to find the window you know you got to stand by the window to get good service otherwise you would drop a call And he's like, that's our faith. When we're in the body and we're connected to the faith community, we're in a place where we have full service, all bars. But when we're not, it's very limited service. It's so limited that it might not even exist if given the right circumstances. And I think that same logic applies to our faith. Faith without deeds is an extremely limited version of our faith. It might be a head knowledge. You might believe. You might say that you believe, but your deeds and your actions are not lining up with those claims. Do we want to take that risk in our life? To say, oh, well, I have faith, but I don't really, it's not really in here. James said, even the demons do that. Even the demons believe. And yet they shudder. So I want to ask you a question. Are you content with having weakened at Bernie's type faith? Are you content with that? Are we just okay with coming in here each week and saying, well, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will serve in children's ministry. Somebody else will serve as a greeter. Somebody else will give. Somebody else will love that person that just walked in the door. And has never been here before. Someone else will do it. I'm just going to sit over here. See I think so often that happens. In our life. Not just in the church. But out out there. Even even as we're in in our community. We say. You know you feel that that inkling. That maybe you should speak to that person. And you're like. "Eh, I don't know. That's probably not God. (laughs) You know that's probably not God. And yet maybe it is. Maybe it is. See our faith. Has to be tested in the real world it can't just be a claim that we make there has to be application and if it never penetrates our heart or never produces fruit in our life then it is dead it is dead so let me let me ask you a question if that's the kind of faith that we live out faith that's dead why why do we go to church what's the point if coming in here each week is purely ritual for you, why do it? And I don't mean to like be like, over-aggressive and push you away, and I know like, people really like, they clam up when somebody says that, but truly, why go to church every single week if it's just a ritual that you're doing because so-and-so did it, or because I have to, or because if I don't, I'll disappoint somebody. If it's not really anything going on in here, Don't you have better things to do with your time? I mean, really. I heard something this morning. I was listening to a message this morning, and and the pastor said that, in essence, that he's like, I'm just convinced that this is the best way to live my life. That going to church and being a part of a faith community and loving Jesus, that I've tried all these other things. I've given some other things to try to see if it works, and it just doesn't. And so I keep coming back to that this is the best way to live my life. Is to live it for Jesus. And so may our faith be more than just a mental knowledge. And if this is true, if this is something that we really do struggle with, what do we do? What do we do? How, How are we doing with this individually? How are you doing? Are you guilty at all of maybe believing but not living? Bless you. That was intense <laughs> are we guilty of that ever believing but not living of claiming to have faith but but it doesn't really show or, or have you ever been guilty of simply just going through the motions i know i have i think honestly preaching this message this morning i i it really hit me when I got up this morning and I'm like, I have to, I'm gonna talk about what? Because it occurred to me that I'm someone who truly struggles sometimes with maybe convincing myself and telling myself I have this belief and this faith and sometimes I don't always live it out. Can I be the first to admit that? Sometimes I wonder, is my life producing fruit or is it just me going through the motions? Where are you? in this and if this is a struggle for you what do we do i think that it begins with one almost too simple of 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 a step is that we have to just surrender it to jesus we have to admit it because that's obviously the first step to any recovery is admitting we have a problem right and then surrender it to jesus and 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 i know I, i i'm one of those people that like when someone tells me something like that i'm like oh yeah that's great thanks that's great advice but I think that really is our first step is that we have to say, OK, Jesus, I realize that sometimes I just go through the motions on Monday morning when I don't really want to be at work. And that person that sits next to me is annoying me to death. And I work with my wife, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's like I'm about to snap on the person that showed up late for the meeting. And I have to remember, be reminded that, hey, you know what? They know I'm a Christian because last week when they were here and I was in a good mood, I was witnessing to them. And now I'm going to chew them out. Wait a second, that might, you know, how are we doing? Are we just just going through the motions? We got to surrender it to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I struggle, I struggle in this area. I'm failing in this area and I need your help. That's where we start. But I think where we go next is different for every single one of us in this room. Your next step after admitting it to Jesus could be a number of things. We could sit here and talk individually and just go, and it might be different for Jim, for Pastor Mark, for Madison, for Al, anybody. It could be different. But I do know this, whatever your next step is, it's a step of action. It is a step of action because faith is accompanied by action. I think we can make a case that even prayer is accompanied by obedient action, claims of loving people is accompanied by action. You cannot love somebody and just say it. Oh, you can. I mean, we people, married people, do it all the time, but they don't show it. There's no action. That might be some hard truth for somebody in here, but it's a reality, isn't it? It is. I think parents sometimes, even with our kids, we're guilty of that from time to time. And so whatever your next step is, it could be different for everybody in the room. For some of you, it might be to simply love your wife or husband better. To say, God, I'm struggling. I'm making this claim of faith. And yet I yell at my wife or I'm hateful towards my husband. I talk bad about him when he's not in the room. I go out with the ladies, and all we do is complain about our husbands. Or I go out with the guys, and we golf, and all we do is complain about our wives. Or whatever you do. Or maybe it's to say, you know what? I'm going to let my claim of faith and my deeds line up in front of my children. And I'm going to show them that I do have faith, and I do believe in Jesus, and I'm trying to live it out, and I may not always get it right. I may fail, but I'm going to at least stop being hypocritical in front of my children. Or I'm going to stop being apathetic and waiting on someone else to do it in front of my children. That might be your next step. Maybe your next step is to simply start serving in the church or getting involved in a small group. Or maybe you're already in a small group and maybe that step is that you as as a small group are going to say, hey, you know what? We got this holy huddle down pretty good. We like to get together and hang out, but we're not really doing anything. And we're going to start serving in our community. We're going to start going to the mission and helping with breakfast. We're going to help with, with secret families at Christmas time. Or we're going to help in some other area. And it's not going to be about us just getting together and talking about how great we are and, and all that. But we're going to get out of this place, get out of these four walls, and go and do something in our community. See, church, I think that that is where faith becomes action is when we claim it and do something. We've got to do something. Are we living out our faith in a lost and broken world? Or are we just waiting for them to walk through the doors and hoping that they'll stick around enough to figure out what Jesus is all about? Church, I think that we as individuals and we as a community have got to find a way to start bridging the gap between us and our community us and the people that we work with, between us, and when I say us, I mean our claim of faith, our belief in Jesus. We've got to start taking that to them and living it out in front of them as we love them, as we pray for them. We show them that faith matters, that Jesus matters. The, the, the reason I go to church is not just because it's a ritual that I do and I have nothing better to do on a Sunday morning. You know, it's, more than that. It's more than that. Now, I cannot say for sure what your next step is, but I truly believe that it will be a step of action because faith is proven and it's tested and it's activated by action. It isn't stagnant. You ever been around stagnant water? <laughs> we, we stopped over at Richard's house the other day to say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw you under the bus a minute. And he just so happened to have a fire pit outside that he was just dumping out because that had been full of water. It smelled pretty ripe. It was stagnant. And when new people come into the church and people who, who, who maybe are coming back to faith and they come in here and they smell that stagnant Christian, it's stinky. And we don't want to be like that. I don't know about you, but I do not want to be like that i may not get a lot of things right in fact i think i get things more oftentimes wrong but one thing i do want at least for my kids one day is they will look back and say he made a lot of mistakes but he was always active he was always trying to do what god told him to do his faith wasn't just sitting up on a shelf waiting for the moment when he needed it he was doing something So the challenge is, this morning, is to take a step. Whatever that may be. To take a step of faith, and and maybe it's to serve. To love somebody more. To give. To care for somebody. Maybe it's to help somebody in need. To make a sacrifice in your life for something or someone. But I know that it is at least to do something. Church. Our tagline on the bulletin and kind of as a staff, as we've talked over the last uh, eight or nine months or so, has been this idea that we want to be a church for our city. Become this idea of hashtag for Muncie. We want to be for Muncie as a church. And obviously we want to be for Jesus, but we want to take Jesus to the community of Muncie and be about Muncie. So I grew up in a town where everybody wanted to get out of that town and leave. They couldn't wait to leave that town. Granted, it was Hartford City, so you might understand why, but I don't want us to have that kind of mentality as we think about Muncie. I want us to have the mentality of, this is my community, and it breaks my heart when I hear about people who are dying from drug overdose, parents and families being ripped apart by divorce, kids that go home and are hungry because they don't have meals to eat for supper, To know that there are kids who are in our school system that the only meal they get in a single day is school lunch absolutely breaks my heart. And so how can we as a church be for Muncie if we just sit in here each week and wait on them to come to us? I don't think we can. We've got to go beyond these walls and allow our faith to be lived out in action, because if we don't, it is just a weapon of mass destruction. But when we do, much like we said about mercy last week, it becomes a weapon of mass destruction on Satan's hold on people's lives in this community and people's lives in this state and in this world. And so may we be people who live out our faith in action May our faith be activated by the fact that we are saying, you know what? I don't always know what to do, but I'm going to do something, and I'm going to take that step. So this morning, we're going to close, and, and I, I don't really know how to close this sermon. I've got to be honest. Because I think that for some of you, it might be something that you, the minute we start talking about it, you knew what your step was. Because God's been telling you for weeks and weeks, and you're like, I really don't want to do that don't want to do that. For others of you, maybe you just don't know yet. God hasn't revealed it to you. So this morning as we close, Nathan is going to sing and, and, and he's going to sing Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And I ask him to do this because I, I, as I think about the idea of us admitting that maybe we struggle in this area, that's the song that comes to mind. Is that I would just turn my eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his face and let his love and his mercy and his grace wash over me and that I would just surrender at his feet the fact that you know what I don't always get it right I fail sometimes sometimes I'm hypocritical sometimes I'm apathetic but Jesus I want to live for you and I want to take each step for you so let's stand together And if you need to come and pray, you can come and pray. If not, let's just worship together and just allow Jesus to move in our hearts this morning. for that song is our prayer this morning that we would turn our eyes upon you the things of this earth would just grow strangely dim all the things that distract us God the things that we want to hold on to and the things that prevent us from living out our faith in in action help us Lord to not become stagnant may we never be content with just sitting on the sidelines and watching other people play the game Help us to have that that like starter mentality where we want to be in the game and we want to have the ball in the winning play. God, help us to be like that in our faith. May we as a church, God, go to great lengths to bridge the gap between our community and our culture and our faith. Help us to reach this community of Muncie. Help us to fight against the grip that Satan has on people's lives in Muncie. Lord, we love you and we praise you for all that you're doing in our life. Go with us as we leave this place this morning and may we be active in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you guys for being here. Have a great Labor Day weekend.